My new book is now available. It's called Peace Over Pain: How to Eliminate Chronic Pain and or Chronic Illness so you can break free from the medical monopoly. If you want it instantly, you can get the ebook and audiobook together as a package on peaceoverpain.com. And of course, the paperback is available on Amazon right now. Welcome to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese, a program that can help you become liberated in the modern world. Now, here's your host, Dr. Kevin W. Reese. How do you come to know yourself? And why does the world even exist? Welcome to episode number 149. Today, I'm sitting down with Sean Sumbrett. A little over 10 years ago, he had an out-of-body experience that opened him up to some big realizations. And today, he'll share his story. But before we begin, I want to ask you to sit down and relax and take in this important conversation. Let's begin. Sean, welcome to the podcast. It's, it's a pleasure. I've, I've always uh, wanted to meet uh, someone that's been a big influence in my life. Oh, cool. Thank you. I follow, I follow your work a lot. So. so 10 years ago, you say you had an out-of-body experience. Yes. Tell me about it. Well, I started kind of getting into the, uh, the Christian um, faith. And I'm not a person that grew up in religion or church or any of that kind of stuff. But I started looking into Jesus' words because I always said, I'll read the Bible, and if it's true, I'll decide for myself. And so I decided that, <clears throat> let's see, that was 12 years ago, so I'm going to be 46 now. So quite a while ago, um, I decided I would read this guy's words and see what I thought, thought of them myself. And I saw some profound truths in what he was saying, you know. Mm. Humble yourself like a little child, you know, be, be born again of the water and the spirit or you will not see the kingdom. Mm. But the biggest one was, you know, God is love. And so I said, why am I not being this virtue, this challenge to be perfect in love? I ne I'd never even thought of that concept before. Yeah. So I took all of his words and I put them in a, in a row like a path. I said, okay, this guy keeps saying, follow me, be like me. So I'm going to be like him. And so I started looking into what it, all of the different uh, writings and things that he, he talked about. Uh, I looked into the Gospel of Thomas, which is not, a, not in the Bible. Right. Uh, into uh, Nicholas Nadovich's uh, un Unknown Life of Jesus the Christ with, uh, with the, uh, the Saint Issa, where you know, Jesus was in India talking to the Buddhists and teaching the Vedas. And then I started getting into teach, um, studying Buddhism and looking at Hindu and Taoism. 
And I started seeing in this path that all kind of came together as the way. And so <clears throat> I was really more locked into Jesus uh, path because there was more on it that I was kind of relating to. And I was really focusing on the gospel of Thomas and there was a specific uh, Logan in there that said, recognize what's in your sight and that which is plain to you will become manifest. And before I had been led to this saying, I was in a YouTube video called The Gospel of Thomas and, it, and I was looking for more insight on the sayings in, in these uh, scriptures. And down on the YouTube comments, about six comments below, someone said, if you want your mind blown, Google the Gospel of Thomas fully interpreted. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And that website is no longer that website anymore. It's lovethemeaningoflife.com. But I, I looked into that website and there was this guy named William Hodges from Europe. He's in his 60s and he was claiming to be an enlightened master and had an incredible experience, an out-of-body experience. And so I started looking into his writings and he had interpreted the Gospel of Thomas. And one of the ones that he interpreted was that Lodian, recognize what's in your sight and that which is plain to you will become manifest. And so he had given, written this article called Self-Realization Beyond the Veil. And when I read that article, I contemplated and meditated on that between that and the Logian. And out of nowhere, all of a sudden, I realized something and my consciousness shifted. And I had realized that my entire life because of some suffering in my childhood where um, I had a lot of verbal kind of suffering and I kind of withdrew inward to myself where I kind of took a bystander perspective on life where I would observe people and life, but I, I lived inside my mind as the, the observer most of my childhood as a kind of a self-protection. And so when I read this article and I was thinking about that Lodian, I realized that the self, the inner person that I've been associating myself with absent of the external identity uh, that I had fabricated the best of my ability uh, to interact with people, that inner person was really the actual me. And that I would have conversations with myself over my entire life. And this inner voice uh, that I had, I realized that this was more me than the outer voice and this persona that I had on the outside. And so when this article when William had said, you are not the body, the body is a machine, it picks up sensory information, it sends it all to the inner world, which is your mind, which is a separate place. And you, the, the observer, the self is completely separate from all that. Um, something hit me and I went to the mirror and there was this conscious shift where I had realized because I had withdrawn from my, my own ego, my own identity, uh, the everyday life, I had been withdrawn from that almost my entire childhood, I realized that the self that is me inside was the actual me. And I detached from the body completely um, in that moment. And here I was looking in the mirror and 
I felt all of a sudden as if my awareness, which generally people would say, my awareness, the self that is me feels like it's inside my head and I'm looking out of the eyes. Right. That's shifted from that perspective to where your awareness, the inner self for a lot of people is in the background, very, very vague. And the identity and the outside world is very front and center <clears throat> and the body and the five senses that now flipped and now it was me front and center, the awareness, the self. And I, my awareness was floating out here. And here I am looking in the mirror. And the body is like standing next to me. And I'm formless. And I, I'm moving the arm. And I'm like, I'm not part of the body. And I just had this crazy wow moment. And ever since then, I have not been able to go back into the body perspective. So your awareness became aware of itself. Yeah, I became centered on my awareness, my self-awareness, the, the I that is me, the observer. Now I experience everything as if I'm just in a moment of always looking outward. I can't see myself. I can't see my identity. I'm just always the awareness. That's, that's called enlightenment. So as far as what I understand, that's that, what the ancients call enlightenment, right? The third eye awakening, the sixth sense. So I awakened to the sixth sense of myself, but that was only part of enlightenment. Um, after that happened to me, I wrote this person that had this website. I contacted him. I didn't, We've been friends and he's been my mentor for over 10 years now. But that, <clears throat> in that instance, I contacted him. Excuse me. Watermelon juice. <laughs> right on. Fresh today. Um, I contacted him. I started talking to him and I was talking about this experience I had and how I felt so alone, so utterly alone. And when this happened to me, my entire life flashed before me. I almost... I just felt like everything that I had done or accomplished or, or pursued was foolish. Like I had been wasting my time for many, many years. Well, you yeah. were. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> we all are. Yeah, yeah. Because there's nothing to do here except do. Yeah. It's, it, it gave me a whole new perspective on what am I doing with my life. Yeah. And he said, how, he said to me, you just realize you've always been self-realized. You just needed reminding that you, you hadn't gone completely unconscious to the ego because of that experience of withdrawing as a child. I stayed self-realized and never went completely unconscious of myself. I just didn't realize it until this article that he wrote kind of suggested you should consider this. You should look at your inner self compare it to the body, the identity that you, you have, and consider which one really is you. And when I did that, I shifted that perspective. And now kind of like the third eye, the, the dot on your forehead, my awareness is always out here. And the body is behind me. But that caused a, a huge issue. Whereas, like you say, that glass with all the dirty stuff over top of it, I woke up to a very dirty environment in my mind uh, chaos uh, a lot of trauma a lot of things going on 
the Bible calls it the tribulation. And I found that I had to now fix my mind. I had to cleanse all of this stuff inside my mind and make peace with my mind. And so I spent about five years of that, of this journey, cleansing my mind, doing the work. Um, from the, the start, I knew, yeah, it was painful. I, you know, a lot of crying, a lot of aloneness, a lot of, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of feeling detached from everybody else. A lot of people not understanding you, um, not them, not realizing you're just stuck in this, this state of being inside your mind, trying to figure out how to clean all this up. And uh, control your thoughts, control your emotions, control you know your thinking, um, and it's been it's been years of developing techniques to cleanse all this. Um, but the awakening didn't just end with that part. Um, a couple of days later, you know, the ego tries to to tell you that it's not real. My ego what you're experiencing, what you're seeing in the mirror, the separation, it's not real. But the ego is trying to survive. Yeah, it was, it was saying, no, this is, you're not, what you're seeing is not real. And, and then I finally reasoned to myself, because I have never experienced this ever in my entire life, this is something that is real. And so I, I locked into that. And a couple of days later, I came back to really looking at my life and came back to my old questions. Well, why do I exist? Why does the universe exist? Why does all of this exist? Is there a God, you know, and what became before God? These are the questions I've had most of my life. Mm. And that it was probably about 10 o'clock at night when I was thinking about this, my kids and my wife went to bed and here I am thinking about this after this out of body shift. And all of a sudden this information just started streaming into my mind in front of me, like I just logged into the internet and there's all this information that wasn't mine. And it came in like abstract concepts, whole abstract concepts, metaphors. And I was, and I was just dumbfounded. I was like, what is this? And so I started writing it down frantically. I thought it was going to go away and it never, it never quit going away. I kept writing it down for up until like six o'clock in the morning. And then I rewrote it all down, kind of trying to put it all together in like an order. And I got so fanatical about it, I I printed it all off. And I was just like, this is amazing. But then over a long period of time, I didn't quite understand what I'd written down. And so I started writing each concept, every abstract concept that was in this whole thing. I started writing it down the best I could understand. And before I truly could really dive into it i started well i should preface with with this awakening i look i figured i discovered that i could learn things really fast within months i could like master things like my awareness i had pattern recognition to just mm-hmm. learn things so i started studying particle physics and neuroanatomy because i wanted to understand why am i floating out here and what is my relationship to this reality that i I related to which was the universe why is this happening to me mm. and the more i studied this the more the all this this con- abstract concept this information this vision that came in started to make sense so i started writing it down and i started breaking it down into each subject and make and i wrote hundreds of pages thinking i'm going to write a book about this but then at some point i realized there's a path here there's 
there's a reason for all this. And so when I fully started to understand this path, I went into a deep meditation to really put it all together. The, the, the relationship to the universe, the, the how all the sensory information gets processed and, and where I am and this intangible self that I am. And I started putting it all together and I went to this deep meditation and suddenly I left the human experience, my body perspective. And I watched, you know, I have this in one of my videos. I watched earth. I watched as my consciousness just kind of left earth and the earth kind of just got smaller and smaller. And then I, I left what I appeared to be a black hole. And then I saw the universe as like a giant sparkling black pearl. And then it just shrank until it came into a single point of light. And then the light extinguished. And I was just in a, a, a void of darkness of just my consciousness. Yep. <clears throat> and that's, that's, what, that's what Buddha called the nothingness. Yeah. Except there wasn't nothingness. It was. I, it looks like nothingness. Yeah, it looks like nothingness, and it feels silent, absolute um, stillness. Mm -hmm. But I felt as if everything that was possible was there at the same time, yeah. like sleeping. And so my question brought—I brought up a question in my in my thoughts as I was feeling all this. Well, then, where do we go from here? How did I get? How did I get to where I am now? And so my consciousness was shown how everything started to unfold from this state of absolute rest of everything all the way up until being here on this ex experience. Mm. And it's, it's really complicated. And I made a video about it and it, it talks about how everything is multiple parallel dimensions, but at the beginning there was only the one dimension called existence, which is infinity. And then it separates into three dimensions, which we call positive, negative, or neutral, or peace, disturbance, and manifestation. There's many ways you can call the three dimensions, but it's because of infinity, everything exists at the same time. So each state of being alternates the one state of being, and they alternate so fast, <clears throat> they, it looks as though they're all in the same space, which is all of existence. And if you take infinity and break it up into reference points everywhere, infinitely. Each, each reference point represents that same dimension broken up into many reference points. And in that same reference points is those three states, total infinite rest, the disturbance of infinite rest, and then the dimension of manifestation of all things. And because they're alternating, it's this alternating that creates energy, movement, vibration. And so in each reference point of infinity, that's a particle of energy, which is these three states of those three dimensions of infinity. And then that is the dimension, the single dimension of infinity is total darkness before manifestation. Of, but it, it rotates those three states or those three states of beings. And then in order to manifest, you have the seven primary dimensions of color, infinite color, of all primary dimensions before they manifest any form or contrast between the two. And it's those seven dimensions that cross over through the dimension of total oneness of light into the dimension of darkness that creates a bridge between the two. And it's in that bridge that there is 
all of reality intersects, like flows. Every possible manifestation of anything flows, and it's in that flow that awareness exists. Mm. That's the force. And because infinity is infinite, that one force or instance of reality is copied infinitely. And the first instance or force of awareness of all of existence is what we would call God or uh, the being of first consciousness. And then we are the copies, the other dimensions of the copies of infinity because infinity goes forever. And we are those awareness, those I ams. And, and I could go on quite a bit on it. That's, I did a whole video. Oh, where are you at now? Are you still, is your awareness still outside the body? Yeah, my, my awareness has never gone back to the body. And what happened was when I finally got to the point of understanding all these concepts, I started studying, well, what am I really seeing then? And I started looking at the five senses. And, and at this point, I, under, I, I had fully understood the difference in duality, in the dualisms. There's the tangible and the intangible, you know, the formless and the form, like you say. And so I knew my awareness, my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions were intangible. Um, I knew from this point that there's the inside of the universe and there's the outside of the universe. The universe came into existence and existence is the outside of the universe where all possibilities exist. And that, that is where the intangible is, the uncondensed form of energy just particles of energy and atoms are condensed forms of energy. And so I started really looking at things. And if you bring the light in a room really low, it's almost like a nightlight, you can see, or if you close your eyes, you can see these sparkles, the blackness, and then you see sparkles of all the colors and, and white sparkles, kind of like the static on a television, only it's like black with very minute changes in the colors that are sparkling in the blackness, whether you have it really low light or your eyes are closed. Mm -hmm. And so I started focusing on that and I realized that that's my own energy waiting for a signal from the five senses to raise its vibration, to change the patterns in my conscious field, to give me this illusion of the human experience. And that the energy that we feel with the, with the hands or we hear or we taste is just subtle vibrations in our own energy field. Because when you meditate down to a state of total peace, or you feel nothing but your own awareness, that's kind of that's the zero point, the singularity of energy. And if you introduced different feelings of the senses, like touch or hearing or taste in that state of meditation, they become like ripples in a pond. And so really we're just experiencing ripples in our own energy field. And the more I focused on all that, it's like when you're watching a high, you know when you watch an old TV and you can see all the pixels and the grid on the screen and pretty soon you've got a 4K TV and now you can't really barely see the pixels and you're, so you see the image a lot clearer. But if you take time to really look at the screen, you're like, oh, I can see the pixels that make up this screen. I focus so much on the conscious field of what we see I was like, I can see, not just in the darkness, all the sparkles, but now I can see the pixels of my own conscious field. And I got to know it so well that I literally can't see the human experience as a whole clear image now. I see the energy 
the pixels of the conscious field. And I, I, I woke up to the fact that I'm not even on planet Earth. I'm experiencing a copy of what's going on on Earth. I already learned that the brain processes the five senses into a brainwave. Mm. There's, not, there's not a television in your head. There's not speakers and a stereo system in your head to give you this experience. It all turns into information. And then it radiates from the head outward into the ether, into the magnetic fields of all particles of, of physics. And that I'm experiencing a copy in the intangible realm. And I just accepted the fact that I am experiencing my mind. And I have always experienced my mind. So where, where's, your, where's your soul then? Where's your awareness? So the soul and the awareness are two different things. The awareness is me. We identify... I should preface with the saying, I feel, therefore I am. And what I am feeling, I am being. Hmm. And so we can only, so just like the three states of infinity, we, we are infinity. We only feel positive or ne negative or neutral feelings. Everything that we experience changes how we feel. We don't, when I, when I drink this watermelon juice, <laughs> I'm not actually experiencing the, the watermelon juice. I'm experiencing how it makes me feel. And so I don't actually, we don't actually experience things because things are just vibrations or frequencies of consciousness manifested or expressed. I'm just experiencing how I feel. So I feel, therefore I am. And so you can bounce from one feeling to the next, separating your consciousness and experiencing individual aspects of feelings or you can experience the oneness of all the feelings. And so all your other feelings are the temporary I am's. I am drinking watermelon juice. I am talking to Dr. Reese. I am in this apartment. Those are all I am's and they all make me feel temporarily a certain way, mm -hmm. positive or neutral. But then there's the oneness, the one feeling that has never changed. It never goes up, it never goes down. And most people call it the feeling of being alone. You talk a lot about being alone with, with yourself. Mm -hmm. And that feeling of being alone is the one feeling that we can trust. It's never changed. The moment we were born, that feeling has never changed. We can depend on it. It's always been there. It's never gone up. It's never gone down. It's the sameness. And it's a feeling. And it's your signature vibration. It is your being. The feeling of being alone is the recognition that you exist as a singular entity in a space, an isolation, like you say, a space that is your own, separate from all of reality. Everything has its own dimension. You can, anything, everything you can observe has its own space. I can observe this glass so it exists in its own dimension, even though it's in parallel dimensions with everything else. It exists in its own space. However, it's a temporary existence, a temporary form, a temporary dimension. The alone feeling is a singular dimension called awareness. Mm. It is a singular vibration. And we recognize it because we exist only in that space called the I space, the I am. The I am, that I am. I feel, therefore I am, all these things that I'm experiencing or 
I can ignore the five senses, go all the way back to, I feel alone. Therefore, I am being alone. And what I am being, that is what I am. And because I've always felt alone, that is the actual me. Mm. And that is the awareness, the self. And it's a state of constant sameness. It is the inner peace. It is who and what we are. We are that inner peace. Mm -hmm. But the soul, the soul is a reflection of that. Without the soul, we, we, don't, we can't identify with ourselves. We have no way to animate, to, to animate with somebody else without the soul. The soul is a, it's an image of and a reflection of this awareness that we uh, kind of reflect to other people. It's like we are the light, the light bulb, but we reflect the light to get so people can see us. Mm. Depends how it depends on how you fill that image, how people see us. The aura, you know, you can fill it with a lot of darkness. You can fill it with a lot of joy, a lot of happiness. Um, you know, like you say with the the flower analogy, you can you can bloom your whole self image, your whole your whole aura with all kinds of beauty. And that's how people see us is through that soul, what we fill that container with. And there's two different souls. There's the ego, which means one, or the alter ego, which means many. And the ego that you talk about in your seminars is the alter ego, the one that's been created for us, what we didn't realize that we've been influenced through, through media and environmental experiences and growing up. That's the alter ego, the sacrificial ego. Mm. The shadow of who we are the darkness the ignorance and then there's the light the true ego the oneness which i call the energy generated operating system and so an operating system has its image on a hard drive and it has a whole bunch of information and it, when you turn on the computer it goes through all that information and it produces a desktop and now you're experiencing a perspective well the this soul has an, a container and an image and all the information, depending on what you put in it, when you wake up in the morning and open your eyes and turn on your being, all that information flows through you, through your energy, and you populate a perspective, a conscious field, a desktop environment called the conscious environment. Yeah. And that's how you see life. That's how you animate yourself. That's how people get to know you is through that soul and it's beliefs it's what you you put in your heart it's what you develop and so that that part is in the heart whereas the ego is in the mind and there are two different dimensions there's the mind space where the ego exists and there's the heart space where the the being that is you exists the, the i am the oneness so a lot of information was just yeah. dropped there. Okay, so let's let's come back to you just a little bit. When you had this awakening 10 or 12 years ago, right? what do you think it was that really sparked it? Was it the fact that you were just going hard with the Jesus stuff and you were reading it? And I mean, something 
sparked it. It doesn't just happen. Like somebody doesn't just drive and then all, <laughs> and then at a stoplight, they all of a sudden have this experience. Something pushes it over the edge. It ta- it usually takes work. Yes. Like people usually like my mentor, he started at 19 and didn't hit his peak until 45. I mean, that's a long time right. of work on himself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it sounds like you didn't even put in that much time. How much time did you put in? Just a few months? Uh, yeah, just a few months, um, maybe six months. Um, but, the, but I think some, some of the, I could name a few things that probably created that push, that spark. Um, I'd have to say, you know, at that time, I'm not married to that person anymore that I was with, but I would say I was looking for something. I wasn't happy with my life. Also, you know, I still had years of trauma as a child. Um, I would say from the beginning of my life, I never felt like I belonged in this, this world. I've always felt out of place in the human life. I didn't uh, relate. Um, I never went on into the really developing the ego and making this identity. Um, I always just, always just constantly the observer, kind of like in Buddhism, they say, become the observer of your thoughts, your actions. Um, I was always the observer of everything, even my, my thoughts, my actions, I was always observing everything. And when I got into looking into the path of Jesus, it was because um, I, you know, I was getting to know, I was in my full, I was getting close to my 40s, I believe, because I'm 46 now. That was 12 years ago. And I was looking for a way out. I always felt like I don't like being on this earth. I, just, I don't feel right here. I, don't feel, I feel out of place. I didn't, I didn't have a personality that just really was, I wasn't brainwashed well enough to become something that the media and this social society are related to. And I didn't feel like I belonged. So I always wanted to get out of this experience. Mm. Always looking for a way out. And when I started reading Jesus' words, I started seeing that there was something more to life that I had considered. And I thought, this is, this is my way out. There's got to be something, some huge, deep, divine truth that I'm not seeing. And that motivated you to really... I mean, you put your all into it. Well, I've always been an analytical perfectionist. From the moment I was a child, I would take apart everything from concepts to physical things. I would rearrange it, reverse engineer everything, analyze everything. I'm a perfectionist on everything. And so, and I have really strong willpower. And so when I set my mind to something, I become very focused. And so once I saw this path, I literally gave up everything that I was doing and put myself into it. it there it is. There <laughs> it is. There it is. You, you just, you just told everyone the formula. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Because I, like I said, it doesn't just happen. You, you, like, you don't just go mow the lawn and then all of a sudden this happens. It takes hot, like, like the, the dedication that Michael Jordan put in the basketball, that's what it takes to 
get to the highest peak of what they call spirituality. It, it ruined my marriage. <laughs> <laughs> right. But if I, if I could be me now, when I met that person, I could be awesome. But, uh, I, you know, I didn't understand exactly what was going on. I didn't, I didn't have the balance. You know, when you, when you want to do the spirituality thing and you want to keep the life you have too, there's got to be balance. And uh, I didn't have that balance. Hmm. So yeah, uh, I literally, you know, I got rid of everything that I owned personally. You know, I didn't just, you know, tell my wife, hey, we're selling our house. And we're going to go out on the streets. But, you know, I got rid of my record collection. Uh, you know, I got rid of like all the things that were influences in my life. You minimized, yeah. Me, everything that stimulated me that was not part of this journey, I just let it all go instantly. Yeah. And the more I let go, I felt so good. It's like when you go to on vacation and you feel great because all these things are off of your shoulders. I just kept dumping stuff off my shoulders until I just got addicted to the peace that I kept growing. And once I got rid of the physical things, I started unloading the emotional things. I started getting rid of anger and resentment and you know all the things you talk about on the glass you know i just it just felt so good but it took techniques i had to form to do something that felt like i was reaching into the dark swinging at things you can't see you know i'm not mike tyson you know i <laughs> I, uh, I i felt blind to all these things and so what i did was i contemplated on love yeah that's what jesus was saying was the ultimate truth and I said, okay, I'm going to be the most humble, non-judgmental person I can possibly be. From this day forward, and that was my, what you call the charity, I decided I was going to be service to everyone. And no matter if it was a stranger or my family, I was going to be the most humble person, non-judgmental, no judgment out the door. And I was going to try to be this person. Well, try, try is the key word because the yeah. mind, the mind has these patterns. It's going to do yeah. what it does until it surrenders, right? Yeah, and, it, and it's, it, and the mind will, the ego will, it would, it would say, you know what? It would say to me, especially at like a dinner with a bunch of people and say, you're a slave. You know what? You're a slave. You're a slave and everybody else is getting what they, what they want and you're a slave to love. And it was, it was painful, you know, for, for a time. Because you're just in service. And even if you didn't want to do something, you still did it, right? Yeah, I was I was the guy doing the dishes and, and uh, taking yeah. people's and So my, men my mentor was a multimillionaire. And he said, you know what? I can't do business. If, if I want to reach the highest peak, I need to quit my business. Now, if that's true or not, I don't know. But that's what he thought at the time. <laughs> he gave his company away and then walked around Australia bare, barefoot for four years as a bum and just went to homeless shelters and just what you're saying. He just, yeah. he just served whatever he could and found his heart. That's, that's the physical. Um, it's, it's using the physical as kind of like a, a metaphor to pull you through that but through everything i realized 
you don't have to get rid of anything. Right. Um, That's, that's what I was struggling with because, you know, I want to help people with their health. Right. But in order to do that, I have to run a business. Right. And in in this new world, it's all digital. So Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a lot of, you know, building funnels and lead magnets and all this crazy digital stuff. And it takes a lot of focus. And so what I had to do was I had to really take a step back and say, this is my spiritual practice. Because one, I know I'm going to get called a quack and, <laughs> and, yeah. and so I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to get tomatoes thrown at me. So that's good practice. Because mm-hmm. an ego, only an ego can get embarrassed. Right. And two, I, I have to like really focus in order to create and run something. And so I'm, I'm just looking at that as like, you know, a sandcastle that I'm building that, you know, eventually the waves will come destroy it, but, you know, do it as best as you can and stay focused and be present and no different than, um, you know, someone that's building a house or, you know, building a car, you know, present and focused, uh, separate from what you're doing, not emotionally dependent upon it. Right. 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 When the day's over, drop it. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing this thing where I work, you know, I bust my butt for half the day. Like, I I mean, I just sit at the computer and I I jam away and then I stop. And I make sure the second half of the day is going to the park, going to the library, getting out in nature and trying to find some balance, you know? Yeah. Um, Because I want to, I want to reach the peak too, man. But how do you reach the peak of spirituality and build a business? And so I'm I'm trying to, trying to figure it out, trying to navigate that. So there's um there's meditating like when you go out to the the woods or you know you, you have that alone time and that's a, a good way to cleanse and separate from the two but i realized while i was on this journey because at the same time i was doing this i wanted to share this with people i was like this is an insane experience and i tried to share it with a lot of people and i got the tomatoes thrown at me i had a lot of my family because it was crazy and yeah yeah friends i lost friends and i was like most people aren't going to just quit their whole lives to, to reach this spiritual precipice. And so I realized contemplation itself is a separate space. It's like you can go out to the woods and you can, and you can make a great background for your, your place of contemplation, but you don't have to be in the woods to enter that space within your mind. It's a separate space in your mind called contemplation. And it's from the ego thinking space. It's, it's a, it's kind of a more centered on the awareness kind of feeling space. And so I developed for me, cause I couldn't just leave my life and go out to the woods permanently and quit work. I developed a walking meditation where every day, every thought, every action was separate from me. I detached from what I was doing on the outside, just doing the next right thing on the outside while staying in this contemplative space feeling and observing how I felt and 
how my actions to outside world affected me on the inside world. And then I would basically make notes, mental notes on how my own reality would change as I would see these realizations of each time I would change how I did things and how it would make me feel. And like walking as the most humble man on the planet, it made me feel differently and people treated me differently. And so instead of getting all caught up in it, like, oh man, I'm so humble, I'm, I'm so great. And being feeding the ego, I said, I observed these feelings and how it made me feel. And I started growing inside with it. The, I started seeing people differently. My whole reality in front of me changed and people became more beautiful and people became less um, untrustworthy. They became, I started to see the aura of people. And, and so what I did was I, I said, okay, this, this love thing, this is part of my walking contemplation. And, but I got to a certain point where I realized I have not been taught how to love. My, 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 my abilities and understanding are only so far I reached a cap on what my idea of what love is. And so I meditated on the spirit, the conscience, the higher self, God, and I just relinquished entirely my path to the spirit. And I said, I have reached a dead end. I can't go any further on being this, this path of love, the way, the truth, the life. And I'm, I'm not going to move in any of my actions until the inner conscience, the intuition, the feeling says, this is the right thing to do. And I said, teach, I, I said, I meditated, I said, teach me how to love more than I already know. Mm. I spent months learning how to love through this, this process of basically kind of like waiting before you cross the street and the street being your, you know, mistakes and things going on in life and emotions and thoughts and feelings. And this traffic is going on. And before I cross the street, wait, look both ways, kind of visualize and observe what's going on with my own life, my own feelings, my own thoughts what I'm about to do with people, with my job, with everything, and then feel what is the next right thing to do. And as I did that, it developed my understanding of what it was to be in these virtues. One of the most famous spiritual books that exists is the course, A Course in Miracles. And in there, it just says, Master Love. Yeah. And what I realized was that what you're doing is in order to get rid of or clean the glass and get rid of the anger, resentment, jealousy, greed, it, how can a person that is, is being those things have the wisdom to stop being those things? That's like saying, my, my box is empty. I want it to be full, so I'm going to fill it. With, if you don't have anything, how are you supposed to fill it, right? So I realized that living through love is basically the punching bag for the opposite polarity of things. If you want to learn to be forgiving or if you want to not be jealous or resentful, you have to practice being the most forgiving you can possibly be and say, I'm only going to be forgiving. And so you exercise emotionally, go to the gym and exercise that one aspect of love. 
yeah. and then through ex strengthening that the contrast the other one becomes weak it becomes distant and so you're affected more by the one you've strengthened or brought into your focus and attention and the other one doesn't have a draw on you a pull on you right and the more you do it the more you do all these attributes of love the more you you realize you feel peaceful and your emotional clarity starts to grow and you feel better emotionally. It's like you're, you're no longer this emotional sickness and you, you start raising yourself into more awareness and, and you realize I don't need that stuff. Right. I feel so good. Why do I need it? One of the practices that I, that I do is, well, I, I practice Ho'oponopono but one of the things that I do is I just, I hug trees. <laughs> I do that. You know, and really pay attention to flowers. Yeah. The colors yeah. just pop right off, right off into your eyes. Right. To the purples yeah. and the yellows. Yeah. And just really pay attention to that. And, and I try to teach clients to, go hug trees like it's your beloved because they might be closed to humans. But when nobody's watching, <laughs> yeah, they can open to a tree. <laughs> exactly. And that tree, that tree is solid. It won't, it won't fall over, hopefully. And it, and it'll hold you. It'll, it'll hold you up. Yeah. Uh, the ground, literally the, a, a tree the rings in a tree are a particle accelerator for ions gathered by the sun and it emits a magnetic field and it's charging your body. And that euphoria we feel in, in, a, in the uh, forest is our body is kind of like a wireless charger on a phone. It's emitting ion charge, which is, resonates with our own frequency, just like the earth, the 7.4 uh, kilohertz or hertz. And it charges our bodies and brings our emotional energy into a higher state hmm. another time that's part of physics i'm just so thankful for this podcast because i get to talk to people like yourself and it, it just confirms to me that i'm on the right path and i'm doing the right things you know uh, i've wanted to talk to you for a long time you know you you raised me out of a, a dark time in my life i i don't know if you're aware from some of the the messages I've had in the past to you, but I had a brain tumor, a one inch golf ball sized brain tumor in the pituitary region. And that's how I found your book, Diet Detox De-Stress mm. and went on the fruit path. Um, and I have a whole nother story about an amazing experience um, that happened to me after that surgery. I had a, uh, an endos uh, endoscopic surgery up through the sphenoid sinus and they, they removed it and that kind of stuff. And so I've been following your work for a long time. And then I also got into your, your podcast. And the one that drew me to you was your interview with uh, Rupert Spira. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I really liked how he talked about walking yourself back to the I am, to the inner self. And I thought that was a really great way to explain it. Uh, and that really just hooked me into your podcasts. And so I, I really, uh, it's, it's a real pleasure and it's just a real honor to finally talk with you. Um, Absolutely. So what happened? So what did the fruit do to you? Well, I was losing my vision. 
And uh, I didn't have time to do the fruit, the full cleanse. Like Dr. Morris says, you know, I need six months minimum. Mm-hmm. I only had two and a half months. And basically the, what I had was a major lymphatic blockage, you know, just big old ball of mucus and acid around the, the pineal, the, 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 uh, about the pineal gland, the pituitary. pituitary. Yeah. That was 10 years of emotional trauma on my spiritual work. That was also 30 years of childhood trauma and all that metabolic acid because of my diet, the lymphatic system wasn't flowing and all that metabolic acid from my adrenals just off the charts, it got clogged there and it started pushing on the uh, optic nerves and I was losing my peripheral vision. I didn't have time because it would have torn into the blood brain barrier and stuff and I would have lost my vision. So what the fruit did though, was it hydrated and loosened all of that. And the brains were just saying that normally those, they can only take out so much to where just the outer rim is still there because it's gooey. It's like cottage cheese or whatever. It's really gooey. And he said, yours just kept falling out, just flowing out. And I had hydrated it. And it just, he said, he didn't have to get close to anything dangerous, like the, the optic nerve, the nerves that go up there and your, your, your nerve, your blood vessels that come up through here and in your brain, you have to get close to any of that. It just all kind of fell out. So it was a very, very successful, 100%, you know, best case scenario because I did a hundred, a watermelon uh, fast for two and a half days or two and a half months. Wow. A watermelon is very aggressive. Yes. And now I I eat an entire watermelon for breakfast every day till about noon. (laughs) The only thing I consume is watermelon and then maybe a honeydew for lunch. And so I feel energized and and very, very aware uh, doing that all all morning. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that worked out for you. I do. I do. uh, I do recall those messages. Now Uh, my memory isn't great because I try to stay present. (laughs) And, uh, but as soon as you said that, like a flash of like a message <laughs> from the, yeah, from yeah. like, from like a Facebook message just popped in like, oh yeah, yeah. I remember that, I'm, you yeah. know, seven, eight years ago or something. Yeah. It was a while, a while ago. Uh, it was a long journey of physical therapy and stuff. And um, I don't know, I could just do a, a brief uh, description of what happened after that surgery. I had this feeling of needing to cry a lot. And I should preface with just before that surgery, surgery, a major surgery like that was the, one of the biggest fears of my entire life. Yeah. I never wanted a major surgery, like yeah. life-threatening surgery. Yeah. And the night before that surgery, I had, even with my high awareness and my, my enlightenment and my, my inner, inner peace and being completely separate from the body, my nerves got to me really good the night before the surgery. Mm. And I'm why is this happening? You know, I'm, I'm better than this, you know? And I realized I needed to let go of everything. And my ego was trying to creep back in. And I, I, I reasoned with myself that all this hope and this, this um, apprehension and nervousness is like a, a, a slingshot. And I'm, it's the grip on everything. And inside that slingshot, it's the outcome. And everybody's hope and their prayers and everything is in that slingshot and my nervousness and my anxiety is the grip and 
the, the, the target's already there. And I reason there's everything, because of infinity, everything already exists. Every outcome already exists. There's the negative polarities and the positive polarities. And if I'm negative about this, I'm gonna have a large chance of having a negative outcome. And the only thing holding it back is me. And so the grip on it was my own life. And so I was like, I'm just gonna let go completely of my entire life. Stop caring about what's gonna happen. Stop caring about my own physical body, which is not me. Stop identifying with the physical life. And I decided from that day forward, tomorrow when I go to that surgery, I will not experience anything. I will release all my focus and tension from the details of what's going on. Usually when we go into an unfamiliar place that we feel nervous about, we try to get a feeling for the room. We, we focus on what people are doing, how they look, what's going on in the room. And we put all these opinions in the conscious field and that gives us a wavelength or a feeling of the room and say, okay, I feel good because of all these opinions and feelings, I can be okay in this environment. I let go of all of the focus of creating opinions, creating feelings. And it was like, like kind of like what you were saying where you just zone out. I just, I zoned out of the five senses and stopped focusing on what's going on. And I just brought myself to my awareness. And I stayed in the moment. And I said, I'm just gonna go forward with love. I'm gonna be very humble. I'm gonna listen to everybody, just do, do what I'm told. You know, fill out my paperwork, get on the gurney, wipe myself down, get naked. Don't think about your undressing in front of a bunch of people. Don't worry about when you walk in and you, you see the operating room and there's like 12 video screens and a camera facing down onto the table. And yeah, you know, just don't get a feel for let, as you lay on the table and, and you're coming to the moment, they're going to put you out. I just did what I was told. And uh, I didn't experience one ask. I can't to this day. I can't remember that entire experience. It's like somebody else's experience. And what a, what a great opportunity. Well, the opportunity what happened was, is when I woke up for the three and a half hour surgery, I fully disconnected from the ego completely. And after that surgery, when I had time to really come back to my life, because the first week I was just trying to recoup, I started to try to think about my life that I had let go of to get back to me. And I could not remember myself at all what it was to be me. I had memories like they were somebody else's, but I could not remember me. And I remember being in the kitchen, trying to figure out who I am. And all of a sudden this overwhelming feeling of crying came over me. Mm. And it was like my body was crying. I wasn't crying, I wasn't upset. I was trying to understand why I couldn't re remember myself. And the body physically convulsed into a crying fit, like a full on, like sobbing, crying. Mm. And my wife at the time was like, are you okay? And I'm like, this isn't me. I'm just crying. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> that went on for like three minutes. And then all of a sudden it stopped and I started laughing hysterically. And I wasn't laughing. My body was laughing and, and I was like, I'm not laughing. I just, my body is laughing, you know? And uh, so I calmed down. I was like, you know what? That was, that was weird. 
And I was like, I'm gonna go take a shower because it's, I just got back from a post-op where they sprayed Novocaine up into my sinuses and they had cameras on my nose for, you know, and uh, so it had been a long day because I'd driven like an hour and a half to the hospital to go through all this. So I went to take a shower and I started thinking again about this fact that I can't remember myself. I'm just this awareness and I don't really feel like I'm anything. I'm just like nothing. I'm, an, I'm no one. And all of a sudden the crying came back. And then this time I felt a presence in the shower. And if you're religious, you would say it's the father. God was in my presence. And if you're Buddhist, you would say the higher self uh, was in your presence, your spiritual infinite self. And this presence gave me a concept. It said, in a kind of a knowing, it said, it's okay to let go. And when the, and it was, and it felt such a, like a loving, like the most loving feeling of someone saying it, you could possibly feel like, like you're forgiven for everything. And all of a sudden I became the crying <clears throat> and I just released all of this emotional energy. And then the presence said, I'm proud of you. You have made an image of love and truth that you can live the rest of your life through. And then in that moment, I realized when they talk about Jesus talking about being saved and going through this path, what I realized that we only experience 1% of the suffering and our spirit of the, the spirit of love, the force, our higher self, God, all of that encompassed holds our baggage 99% of all of our suffering for us to protect us while we're in this life journey, not after the life journey, but in this life journey. And if we don't let go of all of it now, the weeping and gnashing of teeth, the hell, because <clears throat> hell's not a real place or a real thing. It's in a, in a state of consciousness. The hell is experiencing 99, the rest of the 99% of all your suffering when you come out of this experience, this human experience. And so I was releasing all of that suffering. And I guess some people call it, you know, some of the teachings call it the kundalini experience, the awakening, the, the emotional cleanse. And after that emotional cleanse of crying, all of a sudden I was laughing like I'd never laughed before. And it was the kind of laughing that you uncontrollable where it's like you've been at lost at sea for 30 years and you finally were picked up mm -hmm. and you were been surviving your whole life. And you finally are free of all the emotional turmoil and all the pain. It's like finally meaning hitting dry land or being lost in the woods and you finally found your way out. And it was like, I could finally breathe and I could finally feel at rest. Mm. And I felt so at peace and so much love. And it's like, I saw people, I couldn't, not only could I not see myself anymore, I couldn't see other people. I couldn't create an image of them in my mind. I, I could only see the emotions of people. I could see whether they were happy, whether they were sad. Kind of like a like an infant they don't they they don't have concepts of oh this person's tall short fat has this kind of hair you know we don't they i couldn't create an image a self-image of somebody to create an overall feeling of them i could only just whether they're in with their emotional state right it's the most blissful experience um it's like it's the the the, 
it's the final precipice, the final part of enlightenment called being in the light, the oneness, the total oneness. But because I didn't understand where I was, I wanted to look for what was familiar. And I started, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't leave well enough alone. I started thinking about my life. I started reattaching to the attachments that I had before that surgery. And I brought back in some of that ego, even though I was still had my enlightenment, my out-of-body experience, still centered on my awareness. Now I still had some of that ego in my mind space. And I, I stepped fully, I, I stepped, it was like I was straddled, one leg in the, in the, in the heart space the, with the infinite eye, the oneness, and one leg back in the mind space where the alter ego was. And I lost that state of bliss. And so I spent many more years, these last three years, getting back to that place in the light, the oneness of consciousness, the no one, the no thing, being nothing. And um, it took finally understanding what it was that actually happened um, for me to get back to that space. What was that? Simplified. So, if you, if, you could, if you could simplify it into one sentence, what would it be? Okay. Inner peace is literally what we are. It is that alone feeling. And when you make peace with being alone, you get centered on that space with absent of the five senses, which ego identifies with. That alone feeling becomes awareness or self awareness. And when you can let go of the five senses long enough by, and focus on that awareness and then bounce it back to the, the, the conscious field of the five senses back and forth long enough to where you come to know that alone feeling, that awareness, just as much as you know the difference between being happy and sad. A person can't tell you you're happy when you're sad. You, you know the difference because you felt the contrast of the two. You've been one or the other many times, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Mm -hmm. So you know the contrast. They feel different. But we've spent our whole life putting that feeling of being alone, that, that awareness, kind of vague in the background, and experiencing all the five senses. We're very familiar with the five senses and the mind space and thoughts. So I became, I put all my focus into coming to know that alone feeling that is me so well by bouncing it back and forth between the five senses and myself, that alone feeling, say, okay, here's the five senses, here's the alone feeling in a state of meditation. And what I did is, you know how you were talking about how get rid of the thoughts. You know, a baby doesn't attribute things to thoughts. They're not real. I realized thoughts are abstract. We made them up. They're not real. Try to, try to, try to describe yourself drinking without using words. Uh, glass, wet, thirst quenching, you can't describe it without using words. And so what I did was I went through the analogy of Plato's cave and I dissolved all the patterns in what the conscious feel by getting rid of the attachment to language. And I made all the patterns in the conscious field a state of oneness. So everything I saw became a state of oneness. And so, and then when I let go of all opinions, then what I felt became a state of oneness. I wasn't 
trying to pick things out. Oh, the, the, the flower is beautiful. The tree is big. The, the air is fresh. The, the temperature is nice. I got rid of all the opinions and all the descriptions of the abstract language. And that caused the conscious field to be a state of just the very act of seeing. I became, like you said, I zoned out. I stopped focusing on what was seen in the conscious field and just became aware of seeing itself. And then got rid of all the opinions and all the feelings of everything. And, and the, the oneness of everything became one feeling, which is the totality of everything in the environment as a state of just total ambiance. And so all the things in the environment add up to one feeling ambiance. Mm. And so I realized in the state of meditation, and I was out in the woods, by the way, in the cabin all by myself, mm. staring at a wall in a chair. And it took me three days to get the world to finally go away from my thoughts, staring and doing nothing but being in this chair, looking at this wall, observing the conscious field and all my feelings. And once I got them all to a state of oneness, I say, okay, I feel just the ambiance of this cabin. And I'm not looking at anything, at anything and, and, and making it out and making an opinion about it. It's, I'm just staring off in space, looking at this wall. And I'm letting go of abstract language. And with this state of oneness of the feelings and the seeing of things, I bounced my awareness, the observer, to those feelings and the, and the observation of the oneness of seeing everything that immediately bounced back to experiencing myself, the aloneness in that environment, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, until finally I got to know that feeling of alone, that awareness, just as much as the happy feeling and the sad feeling, I saw the contrast between the two, the, the oneness of everything, the five senses, and the feeling of everything as a total ambiance, to the observer that is me, that alone feeling, and all of a sudden I had a wow moment, and I was like, this is me. This alone feeling, this awareness, that's all I am. I am nothing else, not this body. Because even the body in this state of meditation became a feeling of oneness with all the other things that I would feel in the conscious field. So I was not even paying attention to the body. I was zoning out from the five senses, just experiencing me, then observing the oneness of all the five senses being in a state of oneness. Mm. And when I felt and came to know that feeling of that alone feeling in me, I locked into it. I said, this day forward, this is where I'm grounded. This is me. I don't need to be anything else. I don't need to be an identity. I don't need to focus on identifying with what's out there in the five senses. I can just sit here like this is my comfortable seat and let consciousness come to me now instead of going to consciousness and avoiding things in consciousness. Just let it come to me and through me. And I'll just be like the guy in the lazy river of consciousness, just sitting in that I space, the alone space, the awareness, the, uh, awareness space, and just identify that is me. I accepted it. I, I got to know it well enough that I knew because I felt it. I feel, therefore, I am this alone feeling, and I am being this alone feeling. And that is that I am that I am the one that I've always been, that alone feeling. And once you lock yourself there and center yourself there, that is the inner peace because it never changes. When you stay there, all the effects in the five senses become 
very vague, very subtle, kind of far away. And the, then you become centered on just feeling that peace of yourself, that constant that never changes, the sameness. Right on. All right, Sean. So where can somebody come see your YouTube? Well, I have, it's, it's, uh, it's called Sean Spirit. It's um, my, my logo, my banner is one. And uh, it's called Coming to Know Yourself. Because my, my goal is to help people come to know themselves, both mind, body, and spirit. Understanding the physical reality, how the body relates to, to it, not only the physical and the spiritual, helping people let go of the body, become more centered on the intangible, which is what we really are, the consciousness, the awareness, the I am. And then, you know, years ago, I realized, how do you get people to know what they can't see? So I mapped out every feeling, every aspect of the mind and the heart to try to describe all of these places that we tend to bring our focus to or get pushed into on a daily basis where we feel like we're walking through a labyrinth in our minds and we get mm -hmm. lost. And how to show people how to describe these places so they can step out of the labyrinth and be the one that's in control of the labyrinth, being above the labyrinth, looking down instead of being in the labyrinth. Right. Sean, it's been a pleasure, man. It's, it's really an honor to meet you, uh, Kevin. It's, yeah. uh, it's been great. Um, the last thing I would like to say is the, re the most recent thing that I'm, I'd like to make a, a video on is because awareness is in the center between the, the light dimension where all oneness is, the love, and the mind space where the ego is, the dark dimension, the yin and the yang, awareness is in the center between the two, the precipice, the crossing over between the two, the bridge. And awareness, which is the I am, can either be focused in the mind space, which is the dimension of darkness, where your own light populates thoughts, feelings, emotions, and images, or you can bring your focus to the heart space, which is the dimension behind you, which is where your source of light is, which is the dimension of love. And if you just let go of the mind space, make peace with the mind space, come back to your center, which is the awareness, the alone feeling, and then animate and make, make your home the heart space, instead of it being back there and your mind space being up here, bring your heart space to the forefront. Your whole reality will change. Fear will go away. The connection to everyone will, will come into the, the, the conscious field and your perception, your desktop, desktop environment will become more beautiful. You'll be connected to everyone, to everything, because in the heart space is where we are one. In the mind space, we are divided because language is divisive. Mm -hmm. It divides everything up, it, you know, because the light is being divided by the darkness, the contrast between the two. But in the, in the heart space, we, it's, it's as if we are not alone. That's where loneliness goes away. When we interact with love, to, with unconditional love, we're both standing in the same place. In the mind space, you've got your own mind. I can't climb in your mind and say, oh, this is what, this is how Kevin feels. This is what he's seeing. This is what he's experiencing. It's only in the heart space that I can stand in the same place that you are and we can say, I see you. I am one with you. And, you know, like people say, walk in my shoes, empathize with me. You know, that heart space, that's where we all came from. 
that's the oneness dimension, dimension of light. And that's where I'm working on staying and teaching how to get there, because that's where the nirvana is, the, the heaven, the ultimate supreme bliss is not staying in the center of the inner peace. Inner peace is great, but you're alone there. You are the aloneness. So to not be lonely, you leave the mind space and you go to the heart space and that's where you don't feel alone because that's what you are. You are that alone feeling. You go to the heart space and that's where you join the network of all the hearts, all of us, all, of the, all living animate beings. And that's where the oneness comes in. All right. Good talk, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to Inner Peace with Dr. Reese. If this episode opened your heart, feel free to share on social media and tell your loved ones. Also, be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, may peace be with you.